Welcome to People We Disagree With, a podcast by me, Tim Howtakey. And by me, by me, Toby Howtakey. We are brothers. And we have a lot of kind of long, windy chats. Yeah, the pitch, the pitch for our podcast was that we wanted to have conversations with people we didn't completely see eye to eye with. The idea would be that per episode, Toby or myself would bring someone to the podcast who we knew there had been a disagreement with. It could be in the past and we were going to revisit it and maybe see if perspectives had changed, or it could be something that we knew would be an active current disagreement. Uh, We're listening to the first episode, which is about the monarchy, where we chatted with one of your friends, Tim. Who did we chat with? We did. We chatted with my dear friend, Daniel J. Layton. I sent him a message saying, what are your opinions on the royal family? (laughs) Um, With no context that it was for a podcast. And he was actually very generous because he shared with me a long paragraph, no question asked of like, these are my nuanced perspectives. And basically that I said, uh, you should come have a chat with my brother and I. And so that's what you're about to listen to. And I was actually a bit of a fan already because I'd already admired him in Project Library. Uh, And I think I do actually mention that in the podcast. I fanboy slightly, though not too much. I think it was still respectable. It was completely respectable. Nice. (laughs) All right, so enjoy that. And we'll see you afterwards for the debrief where we (laughs) disavow everything we said. (laughs) Are we we doing debriefs? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't sign up to debriefs. Let's all kind of go around and give our general sort of where where we stand today or like what our various feelings have been growing up with the, the monarchy and sort of how that's evolved. And then we can kind of, we can start diving into some more specifics. But uh, I'll, if you'd like to start, Dan. Okay, sure. Well, basically the summary of what I said to you in your text is that I just have very complicated feelings wherein I, I'm a progressive liberal um just put that out there um so the concept of a monarchy goes against my belief system really in democracy and in equality and things like that and yet i have a fondness for the the royal family and the concept therein um and that as it pertains to british identity which is something that like you know is, is is way up in the air at the moment. We're like adrift at sea. Um, and like, I, yeah, I just, I just find them... And it, what's interesting is that I have a, a fondness for the the Queen and the younger royals, so the royals of sort of like, you know, Gen X, Millennial era, but very much not the ones in the middle, you know, the the Charles and, the, and Andrew and... Like, less Edward doesn't really bother anybody, but and Anne's quite <laughs> banter. But like the family, the institution of the monarchy the people individually are all so different and I feel so differently and complex about them all. Um, broadly speaking, I I like the stability of it, but it also, within that, I can't deny when I have conversations, especially with my more Republican friends, that like, you know, it, it is kind of archaic and an affront to the very idea of having a, having an autonomous democracy, I guess, as people have a say in who is the head of state. So it's, I feel very complicated about it. Um, but ultimately, I do come down on the side of like, yeah, I'm just quite fond of them. Yeah, sure. I think I think that's the reason why it might be quite interesting, just as a, I think British identity obviously plays a big part in it. And 
I so I have immediately quite negative feel or like a feel a slight kind of sense of alienation when I read about the monarchy. Whenever it comes up in the news, I have an instinctive reaction of like I shouldn't have to read about this or this shouldn't this shouldn't be on the front page everywhere. There's there's a there's a version of British identity that does that too. In other words, I know it's a symbol of Britishness, but disliking it in a particular way also makes me feel quite British, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's very true. Yeah, yeah, completely. But it's definitely like the in a because di- I think we're probably politically fairly aligned in that. Like on on principle, there's 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 something wrong. Like surely there's you know. It's non-ideal that one family gets a kind of free ticket to wealth. But in addition, I think I have a kind of personal, some kind of personal reaction of like, I don't want to have to know about this. But I was then sucked into it all as a result of this interview, (laughs) which is, it was, I had so convinced myself I refused to read anything about it. I refused. And then it was on the news and I somehow ended up watching the whole interview with, uh, with Meghan and Harry. And I was like, how did this happen to me? I'm now completely up to my knees in this and I have views on it and I say things about it. Whereas before, as a point of principle, I almost never spoke about it. Honestly, this is why I don't let myself start looking at The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Because I know if I watch one episode, that's my whole life. I'm in it for the rest (laughs) of my life. I very easily get sucked into this stuff. That's it's actually very funny that you made that comp because I'll, I'll I suppose I'll use that as a as a as a springboard to quickly sort of give my feelings on it, which is honestly they ranged from sort of indifference to honestly maybe even mildly positive. And and Toby and I talked about the concept of sort of pride versus versus just kind of affection. But like I would say my peak sort of sense of affection for my Britishness was probably around the Olympics and watching. Sort of, and yes. it was also a very specific time in our lives, and sort of, it was living in London, and we were all doing things for the Olympics, and we got to yeah. go and see things, and sort of the sh- And so, I had a lot of love for Britain at the time, and so, for instance, and part of that was the Queen jumping out of a helicopter and pretending to show, like you know, like, <laughs> like and doing that whole sketch with James I Bond. That again and, the other day, and 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 I think I felt, I think that was probably the warmest I felt towards them uh, at any point. And I don't know how much of that was tied to, and, and again, I think, I think, I do think we're instantly hitting on something that is true, which is that there is sort of a intangible feelings identity component to all this, regardless of the, the intellectual. Um, mm. But, and then, but then I would say with distance and time, and I don't know how much sort of media coverage of Andrew's activities and different things plays into this, but with time going away from it, uh, I, I, I would say I've, I've probably moved over a little bit more to, to, to where Toby is. And that sort of, again, that was part of the conflict with not really conflict, but like you could sort of sense, you could sense that Toby and I was were coming out swinging and mum was, was, <laughs> was sort of felt a little defensive about it. And we sort of... So is, is, is your mum on the same sort of avenue as me then? She sounds, I, or, I think that's... Or perhaps even further over. I think that's part of what we thought was interesting was I think a lot of what you said sort of interestingly echoed where she's at. Uh, because because she's not blind to the to the inherent problems and she's not and she and she's and 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 she definitely you know she she and she talks very similarly about an affection for the queen and not necessarily for who's next in line (laughs) you know and and i think there is a reality tv 
component to this too <laughs> in that like oh, it, it yeah. just has but it has the weight of like an institution and history and it's been alive and so so as a result there's sort of class attached to it or, or at least the perception of class but in many ways it is you know we're all just following this famous family and sort of hearing about their exploits and they're in the news because one of them has done this or that and, and yeah. there's not really a big difference between that and what did the Kardashians do? You know, there's not really, yeah. uh, but the, but but I suppose the difference is this is treated with a lot more grandeur. Those are the moments where I find it hard to turn off my intellectual brain. Like when I notice that stuff that I sort of do find myself going, why? Why are we paying attention to these people? <laughs> it goes into like the, um, the, the duty of being a member of the royal family versus the like, the, the ones who are, never going to make it to the to the big chair i think it's 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 interesting that andrew is the is the one that people come back to loads at the moment because andrew is very much behaved as this very entitled very um not not going into specific detail about the things that he is accused of but you know he's the one who's always at the center of the more sleazy like cash for access scandals and like the yeah. versus someone like william i think who recognizes the sense of duty and the like public service element of being a member of the royal family and 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 harry and Meghan to an extent were exactly the same this is why i was particularly excited about the younger royals and until they you know made the decision to move for their safety and health in many ways there's kind of a thing about the press makes it so hard to talk about because i think my instinctive antipathy comes from the way in which like you said it's like a soap opera but it's cloaked in a kind of respectability and Maybe that's what creates an emotional alienation for some people. It's like, I'm being asked to take this seriously, but it's kind of self-evidently also a little bit silly. A lot of people like, probably like you, I think, Dan, but feel like they have some kind of more personal appreciation for them. Like in that you try to kind of separate the press coverage and then you think as individuals, I quite like them. Whereas for me, it's always been more, I don't, I don't like this press coverage and I don't, I don't have a reason to care about who they are as individuals, if that makes sense. I, I, I do sort of struggle with imagining after Elizabeth, like after the, after when, when, we, when we no longer have the Queen, I do very sort of struggle to see what will kind of hold this all very together. <laughs> um, which kind of leads into the conversation because should we, should, should it, should it live on? Like, should it, you know, is, I think is a sort of valid question. And I think that ties into, mm. into the sort of Britishness conversation, because I suppose the first thing that people will come to is, oh, but you know, like it's something that holds us together. And I sort of, I do think all of the things we've talked about, you know, surely British identity is stronger than the existence of an active monarchy. <laughs> but is it? Well, yeah. you see, you say that, and I have to say, I don't, at the moment, I don't know. Like, I, I genuinely, sometimes, I, something that I've been thinking while we've been sat here is like, what is Britain without the monarchy? Which sounds like a really reductive and small question and like, you know, oh, come on, Britain's loads of things. And it's true, Britain is loads of things. But right now, like, uh, how, how long ago was it that the UK was like your permanent residence, each of you? Tim, I know you left in like 2014, right? Yeah. Yeah, pre-Brexit. Right. So it's ha it's changed a lot in my time. <laughs> in my time yeah. away. Yeah. Toby, Toby, when did you when did you go? Uh, so I was in Britain for Brexit and I was working in London till about 2017. So I'm nearly, no, right. 2018. 
No, sorry, 2019. Right. <laughs> I've spent two years <laughs> in Athens, roughly, a bit less than two years. So you've kind of saw the beginning of how we ended up where we are at the moment. Um, but, like, genuinely, from Brexit onwards, there has been this, like, giant change in discourse, in relations, in conversation, in 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 really understanding what Britain stands for. And it's so it's so interesting that you... Tim brought up the, the, the Olympics and stuff like that. Um, my jokey line about the Olympics is it, it we didn't realise it was the closing ceremony of the country. Um, <laughs> that also was the same year as the Diamond Jubilee. So, like, it, it was a very, like, look at us. And, and the things that were celebrated in that opening ceremony, you know, uh, industry and... And, uh, and the NHS. Growth yeah. and the internet and the NHS and all of these things that we've done. I, growing up in the 90s with Tony Blair and like Cool Britannia, that whole movement where like Patsy Kensett and Noel Gallagher on the cover of Rolling Stone, like Britain was this like cultural hub, like this centre of of excitement and, and positivity that all like grew and became the pinnacle in 2012 at the Olympics. But what's interesting is that since then... It has almost been this 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 downward trajectory accelerated via Brexit to the point where in 2019, and this is something that I feel is is really stark and, and you know, isn't really being discussed at the moment. Well, it kind of is and kind of isn't. We've always been this kind of Labour conservative, you know, two party system. And the Labour Party had the red wall in the north of England. And for the first time in years, that red wall turned blue because a lot of Labour voters moved over to the Conservative Party, which is wild to think about as a result of Brexit and as a result of the changing identity of what Britain stands for. And we haven't really been able to figure out A, what that means and B, what to do with that. And so not to get existential, but I, you know, there are questions of patriotism and all of this stuff that we'll get, we'll get into, I'm sure. But like, if the monarchy goes away, what is there that says this is what Britain is? Do you know what I mean? Mm hmm. I, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And I also think, I definitely think before Brexit, I never, and much as I don't have much sympathy for David Cameron, when I look back on that time, I do realise there was like a slightly kind of tacit consensus about what kind of country as a whole we wanted to be. Like there was a very vague, unspoken idea of like, well, we are kind of all in this together to some extent. Mm-hmm. that that I can't that I definitely don't feel anymore. In other words, I think Brexit was the moment when we all kind of said actually we want to live in completely different countries. <laughs> culturally, yeah. culturally and economically we have very little in common with each other. Yeah. Um, and Brexit but- wasn't a left or right issue. Like it, it 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 was there were people on the left who liked Brexit, there were people on the right who liked Brexit and because of that those those lines of like how you vote, who you are, what you perceive. Yeah were completely skewed. Well, and it, it, it brings up an interesting, because I know that was something you'd mentioned in your text as well, which was sort of something something that mum brought up too, which was the, the charity, sort of the... the yes. and, and, and I think Toby, Toby has, has, a, has a pretty good sort of <laughs> take on that. <laughs> um, Go ahead. Well, I, not to be, because I feel like I'm going to be the pessimistic member of this conversation, just going, everything's shit, I don't believe in anything. But there's something <laughs> about the, the, the charity stuff that annoys me slightly because, and it's also kind of related to what you were saying earlier, this idea of duty. I do accept mm. that there's some form of duty involved in what they do, but they're basically condemned to doing nothing important enough that it could divide opinions in any way. 
So I feel like charity is all they're left vanilla, with. Yeah. They have to just be there. And what else are you going to do? You might as well do nice stuff. But it's not through any great virtue of character. It's because they're just stuck there and they have to do something with their time. <laughs> but it's not mm. like... It's not like countries without royals don't. In fact, I think America donates much, much more to charity in, in, in terms of individuals than the UK does. Um, mm. And it's not like I we think perform. That, now, this sorry. is a thought that I'm going to like, ex, I'm going to explore as it comes out of my mouth. So <laughs> this is not like the a best kind. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is where like, this is where like, I'm, I might text you in a couple of weeks and be like, delete this. Um, <laughs> but like, um, I almost feel like <laughs> I can't believe that this sentence, this, I can't escape it since we talked about the Real Housewives and the Kardashians or whatever. It's almost like at this stage, especially the younger royals, I, and I'm thinking pre-Megxit, as it was christened, like pre-Harry and Meghan leaving, that, that kind of they, their, their group unit where they went around and they, were, they spoke at events and things like that, are almost like publicly owned influences, by which I mean... It is okay, one thing, to donate to the charities, but it's another thing entirely to draw eyes to the charity. And Mm. if you have Meghan and Harry show up at an event, or if you have William be, you know, give a speech, or or Kate, you know, points to something, shows up, gets some pictures in the paper, that draws eyes to a cause. I think think back to Diana with the, the landmines. One of the earliest memories I have, we were in Portugal on holiday, and I was like, I must have, I could only have been seven because she passed away when I was seven. But um, passed away sounds like a very gentle way of, of what happened to the, the poor woman. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I remember reading the paper and being like, I'm going to be a grown I'm going to read a newspaper. <laughs> and I like had the, the paper open and there was this giant picture of Diana in, you know, a, a field full of landmines, like ringing awareness to the fact that there are still active mines all over the world. And that, for me, is a prime example of what modern royalty, modern British royalty, is for. Where it's like, you know, people like you, people I'm sure like William and Harry because they are Diana's children, because we've we've watched them grow up in a way that no other generation has. Like, we didn't watch Charles and Anne and, and the, the rest grow up because that kind of media didn't exist then. They were thrust into the spotlight in a whole new way when they had to walk behind her, her, her coffin in that funeral. And then we have watched them grow up kind of motherless, felt for them. And now they are parents in their own right. Now they are coming into their own roles. They've made mistakes. They've done things that are a bit, you know, silly. Harry in particular. Um, Is that the Nazi uniform Now they thing? are. Oh. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> like also, you know what? He was an, he was a young person and he made a stupid decision. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way. But like, you get caught up in the moment. Like, not I'm not saying who hasn't dressed up as a Nazi because I would like it to be on record that I haven't dressed up as a Nazi. Um, but <laughs> not even for a film. Oh, actually, wait, maybe I did for a film. Yeah, I think I did. Oh for a film. dear. <laughs> but not like not like it, it would. He was the villain character, to be clear. Yeah, yeah. It um, wasn't. It wasn't. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't a propaganda movie, or it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> not, at least not. But maybe I just didn't read the script properly. Yeah. But like, it, as far as I can remember, you, you, it, it was a villain. Character. As an actor, it was only like, for our theatrical version of Mein Kampf. That's all we. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. all it was for. Yeah. Like, look, I, like, you know, I'm just looking for a job. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I'm, like, a, I'm an actor. I can't say no to a gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, 
to bring it back to my, my weird point about them being publicly owned influences, I do kind of feel like that is the position that they are in at the moment. And I wonder whether or not, you know, that is a, that's not, that's certainly not something that can't be done without, you know, a monarchy. Of course it can. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of the Clinton Foundation, I think of the Gates Foundation, you know. But I, I, there's there's something as well about the solemnness and the duty and the, and the respectfulness with how William and Kate and Harry and Meghan, and I still include them all because there is a little part of me that's like, oh, just have a chat and I, like, <laughs> we'll get onto the funeral or whatever. But seeing William and Harry chat was quite an emotional... I, I got very emotional around Prince Philip's death. We'll talk about it. But... Um, uh, <laughs> It, it, it's sort of, it's sort of one of those things of like they carry themselves with such dignity and duty that it 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 not only brings eyes but it also brings like uh, a a willingness and an empathy to listen to the to the topic at hand. They speak about mental health in a way that you know is is um, really eye opening to a generation of people who aren't used to speaking about mental health, who grew up not being able or not being allowed or, or be actively being encouraged to not discuss mental health. I I so, think there's a lot to that, and I, I think there's uh, this kind of makes me agree with and disagree with you at the same time. Because on the one hand, generally when thinking of charities, my instinctive reaction is, but who are they to pick charities for us and stuff? Sure, you know. And I'm sort of well, you you're going to pick something fairly innocent that I'm sure is important, but you know, uh, it's not like they're mm. about to go to like South Africa and be like, now we will talk about how we you know, destroyed South Africa. True. I mean, um, but it's interesting but, though, like, I mean, she wasn't a member of the royal family when she was doing it, but Diana, well, uh, she was for, the, for the, the the moment when she went and, and shook hands with a man who was uh, ill with AIDS um, way back during the AIDS epidemic. Um, that, yeah. that was the thing, you know, she, she took her glove off and shook his hand to show that you cannot catch it in the way, because they, they were treated like um, they were they were massively contagious, and and she used her influence to do that. And and I guess that's part. And interestingly, to the point of you know conflict, it, that was a very controversial thing, and 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 gave the royals a bit of a headache. Um, but recently, Kate showed up. I don't know if you guys have heard of Sarah Everard, the thing that happened in the UK. Mm-hmm. But um, Sarah Everard was a woman who was just walking home through Clapham, which is not far from where I live and disappeared and there were posters everywhere and she was found unfortunately she'd been murdered she'd been abducted and murdered and there was a uh, even though we are in lockdown there was a vigil in Clapham Common where she was walking home and um Kate showed up like there were no photographers there were no it wasn't a PR event even though some people tried to suggest that it might have been a PR event to me it felt like a very real thing of this person, she didn't speak to anybody. She didn't take pictures with anybody. She showed up. She was caught on on you know people's cameras, and that really like struck me as a very Diana thing. Point being that to, that to what I mean by that is it it felt like a very um, honest and 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 kind of small c controversial thing for her to do to show up there at that vigil. Um, and it and it and it gave me pause. Like not not that I wasn't already you know living living right by where it had happened. I was already feeling it in a huge way. But I, and, and and sort of what was very much meant to be the point of 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 this 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 whole operation was to be able to dive into the moral grey that you don't usually get when something is presented as a binary choice and there's a debate and it's pro or against because mm-hmm. the because the because obviously the nuances are yeah. Though I sort of, I agree with, I, I do sort of agree with Toby's stance that, you know, like, it would be 
pretty unconscionable if they didn't do charity like it's almost <laughs> like it's, it, i think part of part of the reason part of the reason we accept them probably is like it's a redeeming aspect right however mm. it, it, to to what you just said there's obviously there are obviously people who because of their power of influence the fact that they have that power of influence is is up for debate and 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 sort of but but that doesn't mean good doesn't come from it in the same way that I'm not going to dismiss the, you know, I'm not too familiar with the specific royal charities, but things like there are, I'm sure there are people whose lives have been completely transformed by the Duke of Edinburgh award or whatever. Oh, he, and mine I'm, included I'm not, on and that, I'm not, by the way. Yeah, I, I did the Duke of right. Edinburgh award. Oh, yeah. Oh, tell us about, tell us a little bit about that. That's, so I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I was at school and it was a, it was a thing that I'd, I'd been a member of the Scouts and I joined it. I, I didn't do the whole thing. There's, there's bronze and silver and gold. Um, and I, I did bronze and what the Duke, I don't know how much you know about what the Duke of Edinburgh Award is, but there is a physical element of it as in a big, you know, hike or, or boat related activity, um, and, and volunteer work. And, you know, it's, it's all about basically what the Duke of Edinburgh Award is intended to be is to provide kids with a sense of personal identity to help them, you know, learn about themselves and carve out, you know, learn about their community and carve out a place in, in the world. There are people less privileged than me who who have been shown that they have value and a place in, in society and community because of the Duke of Edinburgh Award scheme. And that that goes to the, and speaks to the complexity of, you know, mm-hmm. e- even even the, the broad inequality of the fact that there is a, this monarchy and there are people homeless in the same country. Like, it, it's it's so complicated and I and I see all sides of it. And mm-hmm. it's hard not to kind of because as somebody that's uh, that has a kind of latent antipathy to the monarchy, there's a challenge in. Um, there's obviously because they are there, and because there is a real emotional connection that people feel that you can't deny. Um, it's very difficult to take a story like that and not respond to it positively. In other words, it's a little <laughs> bit like when my mum. Mum was was also quite emotionally affected when the Duke of Edinburgh died. And it's very hard when you yourself feel no personal connection there to in any sense deny that that it's really meaningful for somebody else. But in the back of Mm. my mind, some voice is saying, for example, with this Duke of Edinburgh thing, again, not to undercut it, I'm sure. And I have another point about Princess Diana I wanted to make to kind of balance things (laughs) about things being positive. But a part of my mind is going, kids in... Swede, you know, I don't know, kids, kids in countries without monarchies, you know, kids in Greece or kids in, um, in America must also have equivalents of that emotional connection. In mm. other words, I understand it's valuable and it came through the monarchy here, but does it have, but it's does not, it have to it's be impossible related? without a monarchy? Yeah, mm. I, I completely get your point. Yeah. One last thing I was going to say was, much as I'm cynical about the causes they pick, um, there is something undeniably interesting and worthwhile about when they talk about their own mental health. That I found this is a conversation that I don't see in countries uh, without monarchies per se, where you have this person... I was thinking of Princess Diana, and I kind of thought about it with the Meghan and Harry thing as well. When do you get the opportunity to talk about these kinds of... uh, kind of domestic issues but with the respectability that comes with the monarchy that that is a little yeah. bit country building yeah. like a common intimacy with with and the people. accessibility as well of 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 bringing those topics to people who would otherwise not like i think of i think of my um my mum um who 
my 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 uh, met some men in my family have struggled with depression and she's been um upset by how sort of prevalent that has become recently she's like what's happening kind of thing and and in conversation with her i was i was sort of talking and saying it's not so much that it's more common now it's just that we're allowed to talk about it and through seeing you know an itv show where harry and william speak about losing their mum and and and, and in a very just in a very calm and, and honest and open way you're right it does bring that it brings that topic to people who would otherwise not get it because they're not as um encouraged or allowed the space to be as open to that as and i mean that by society like like uh, everyone's biggest villain the patriarchy <laughs> stopped like <laughs> um people from being able to to explore those topics and i do think that that the solemnness and and the dignity of diana and her children really yeah. um no i i had a surprising i remember i had a despite despite sort of what i've arti- i what i've articulated about um certain apprehensions towards them uh, with time i do remember having a surprise emotional reaction like what's this <laughs> what's this feelings <laughs> um uh w- w- which was w- which was when i was listening to a it was sort of a deep dive into the the sort of uh, megan harry interview and how it echoed diana and i very much like you dan sort of growing up, I remember she was sort of this, she was Mother Teresa. Like she was sort oh, of, yeah. like, I did not grow up with the knowledge of the divorce and all the, and sort of some of the sort of more salacious mm. parts that must have been part of the news cycle if you were an adult. Whereas as a child, because I, I remember just, you know, it was very shortly after she passed away and she was very much sort of in the way my mum talked about her, a very sort of angelic sort of figure. Um, and... I didn't know all the details about how, you know, how she'd spoken so openly about, you know, struggling and mental and that she kind of opened the door for for a bunch of those mental health conversations and that, yeah. And, 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 and it was interesting because, and, and you know what's actually interesting speaking of how it ties into a British identity thing it was funny because the thing in the piece and they were interview and they were showing clips of people opening up at the time and talking and they were t- describing the outpour of emotion that happened from, you know, keep calm and carry on stiff mm-hmm. upper lip British society yeah. that, that sort of the, 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 it's suddenly coming out. And it was weird because I suppose I connected some of my, some of myself to that like I, I I sort of what made what made me weirdly emotional listening to it wasn't necessarily her specific story but it was this notion of the letting go of everything being which I know is a human thing anyway we bottle things up but there is a there is a particular flavor of it that is sort oh, of rooted in, British, in yeah. Britishness you know that that I sort of identify in myself and sort of hearing that discussed in that way so so it's it's you know, and this is, this is, again, this is sort of, a, it, it, as Toby says, I don't want Toby and I to be the, the cynics, <laughs> but, oh, the, but the sort of... The flip side to that coin is that I am an incredibly, always have been an incredibly idealistic person. Like, I'm someone who sees <laughs> the world with rose-coloured glasses and the glass half full, and I am, I am an optimist, and I can, I can be pessimistic in my own way, but I, I, I do like to see the, you know, Glinda the Good Witch um, angle to everything, um, so mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think, uh, not wanting to be cynical is, 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 is fair, but also 
my my idealism is puts puts a spin on everything that I think. You know, I can't I can't deny that I I I sometimes go too hard the other way. You know. Mm-hmm. I think you, your optimism is is of a very uh, likable kind. So this this isn't about your optimism, but I do have a sense with Princess Diana that there was a kind of optimism that, or a kind of reverence, unrelated to her as a person, that I did find quite annoying. And I'm thinking of once in Athens here, the British embassy was organising like an award. They were giving an award to a Greek school for an anti-bullying prize. And it was the Princess Diana Anti-Bullying Prize or something like that. Right. And you had like this bunch of, you have a bunch of Greek school children and they're watching this like slow um, black and white sort of soft, sad music with shot, with the different videos of Princess Diana. Um, and I just thought, this is insane. This is slightly ridiculous. Like, no, this means nothing to any of the people here. And I doubt it even means that much in the context of Princess Diana, like, I'm sure she didn't like bullying. Bullying is bad, but um, <laughs> it just all felt like... She, we... she was a noted pro-bullying activist. <laughs> yeah, like... yeah. The, 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 surprising, the surprising stances yeah. of Princess Diana. Like, she, she doesn't, you know, she wants people to know eating disorders, you know, you should open up, but it's okay to bully people yeah. out of them. <laughs> Yeah, but no, there, there is something very true in that, and I, I actually—it's ha- so interesting that this is happening recently. I think I think the real con- the real crisis happening within the royal family comes from the fact that the 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 Meghan and Oprah chat happened. By the way, how American is it to have Oprah be in charge of ruining the monarchy? That's hilarious. <laughs> but also, um, yes, yes. Also, that happening hot on the heels of season four of The Crown. I've watched every season of The Crown. I think The Crown is a great show. <sighs> I can't it is also it. fiction. <laughs> it is i've watched I, i've watched it i've watched it too and i i, I do agree. I, I have conflicting feelings watching it because because you know monse and i both sort of are like ah, it is an entertaining show mm. is it propaganda is it also but it is kind of critical of them too so like it's it sort of there's a very weird feeling you yeah. get watching it because it does endear you to her in mm. particular like it does a very good job of like painting how much of it is fictionalized versus how much of it is is is, is sort of a conversation that i know is 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 brought up but mm. but sort of the um if, if you want an interesting tidbit according to my mum's guiding friends because they've all oh. studied <laughs> and, and, like and done all this stuff seasons seasons one to three pretty on the money season four salacious well, <laughs> absolutely like, so, i completely agree but, but what's interesting about that is the fact that we are now on an era that we remember not just that we remember but that we have lots and it's i've made the point earlier on but a lot of documentation about we now these are people mm-hmm. that are in our recent memory um and like i find it super interesting that um you know listen diana was a a, a flawed human being you know, she she did some pretty fucked up shit. She liked um, bullying in the relationship. In in outside, of, she she once threw her stepmom down the stairs. Like that is a, a, the thing that she actively because her stepmom wasn't her, you know, mother. Um, for really for no other reason. Um, there's an incredible podcast uh, called "You're Wrong About" who that does a um, not yeah, to like draw <laughs> to turn this podcast off and put another one. Um, but um, there's a podcast <laughs> called "You're Wrong About" that does a, sh- a, a series on. Uh, on Diana that really dives into the complexities of who this person was and her growth and, and actually what it means, how, how kind of how fucked up the nobility is um, uh, broadly outside of the monarchy. Um, so yeah, she was complex and then season four comes out and it is this very salacious thing. And it's almost like watching 
people respond to it on Twitter like it's a documentary and then gleef... I mean, Twitter's a hellhole as it is, but, like, gleefully coming for <laughs> William and Kate because Meghan has expressed, you know... It's, 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 it's almost like the, the British press are disgusting and racist towards Meghan, and there is no two ways about that. Like, that is not up for debate. If you, All you have to do is look at the coverage. The other side of it is Twitter is 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 uh, quite vicious in response. It's like fighting fire with fire rather than acknowledging the complexity of this person's experience and this family and the, the these brothers yeah. who have been through so much, one of whom has the weight of having to one day be the king and the other one knows he's, like, never gonna... Like, it's only I mean, Shakespearean in many ways. That's why there are so many royal Shakespearean <laughs> plays. Uh, I, I, all I was going to say to, to that specific point um, was that, yeah, and that, that was something that sort of came up for us as well, which is there's a lot of interesting nuance in this conversation anyway, because exactly the, the press, the press undeniably racist towards Megan and, and, and sort of we can't discount her experience sort of, you know, being, being a person of colour in in the royal family yeah. and what the institution did to her and all those things. And then at the same time, I do sort of understand though that in the public discourse, it can be difficult to be, to ask, especially sort of working class people sort of to, to, to go, let's have the race conversation about people who are unfathomably wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> like sort of like, so, so, so it's, it's complicated because it's sort of, you know, my, it, it's speaking of the different feelings you can have with a topic where it's like, racism is important and of course it's prevalent in every aspect of society. So of course it would manifest in the royal family. So of course we should talk about it. But then at the same time, there's also, there's also I, I sort of can understand some of the eye rolling when it's, it's oh, we're being asked to have the conversation in this yeah. <laughs> context for these people. And it's tricky. And I don't know, I, 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 I don't land anywhere particular in that. I think it's, but I think it's, it's a little bit what we've been saying about you do see, you see multiple sides there, you know? Well, for me, I definitely think with the whole Meghan and Harry, with the, 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 I think the reason I got sucked in was probably because the reaction was so... Um, it seemed very sort of two-faced and people decided they didn't like her f for reasons that were kind of ill-defined. I agree the treatment of her in the press was really racist. So it was very easy to get sucked in because so many people were saying so many disingenuous things about them. And much as I don't care about them, I also felt like they got a hard time for it. As in like, yeah. I'm not invested in the monarchy, but like, come on, they're just, they're just these two random people. And also but like... The, the development of that is that their, their way of escaping was to move to Montecito and live in, like, a really rich enclave. In, like, yes, but, that, but it's, that's it's, why... Yeah, that's yeah. why I like they ran away and, and... Yeah. I was going to say, that's why I object to the Crown and the King's speech, though, as well. I think there's something about... We know these... We're so overly interested in these kinds of people, and it's so easy to make a respectable movie that everyone agrees is good about them because we kind of default give things a pass when it's in such respectable circumstances. So with to a degree, yeah. I kind of feel like we can, you know, we can talk about racism through that prism as well. And I'm, I'm sure it is worth doing on some level. But on the, on the other hand, in general, maybe we need to learn how to phrase these conversations without needing the weird artificial class mm. isolated royal family to do it 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 tricky because I think you know it 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 as as we're sort of getting at it it it, it intersects in so many like interesting ways because it's similar similar to what we what, what we're saying with the Harry and Meghan thing, sort of yeah. I also kind of object to the idea that they just get a Spotify deal or, yeah. <laughs> or whatever yeah. the hell they're going to do based on their position. But at the same time, hey, they're making their own money. Like, yeah. like I know they're making that money because, like, they are removing themselves from, from I guess, the taxpayer mm. doing it. And, and sort to, of some and of the... to go and, back to and, my, like, influencer conversation, I would much rather they were doing it and they got a Spotify deal and they shed light on certain things that are a kid off TikTok who's not going to, you know, contribute to culture. Yeah. Not meaning to throw a massive shade, but like... like why, why so yeah. hard on the no, kid off TikTok, though? What what makes them more respectable <laughs> than the kid on TikTok? No comment. I guess we don't know this hypothetical kid off TikTok's uh, background, you know? Maybe, they, uh, maybe they've spoken for some really great things. Well, uh, I mean, also, given the... Like, I think it's a fair question to be like, what, you know, why, why them and not that? That's completely fair. My point kind of comes from, oh, how many years have I been in the, in the, in the world of influencer, even though I hate to say that I am one. You know, I'm there. <laughs> I'm in the world. But... Um, how many how many have abused and abused their their position for personal gain to you know do controversial stuff bordering and then and then at its most extreme predatory you know abusive stuff um no no definitely yeah definitely i i I think but i and i think and i but and i think i i see what you and and i think that is sort of the nuance of specifically you know Honestly, honestly, it, it's the same with um, it's the same with with Obama deciding that he's going to make you know Netflix stuff and 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 do a Spotify thing and 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 like you have this position because you were the president and now you're sort of it, you can see it as cashing in or you can see it as well self sustaining and trying to do something good and I do think if if there is a world where the where you know where in the near future the monarchy doesn't survive and it sort of is you know and they have to sort of go into regular life and we have to steadily figure out how to turn everything like again who who knows i'm not i'm not even necessarily pitching that as my perfect vision for everything but <laughs> but i do think in that scenario yeah they probably would go write books and do and and those yeah. books would be would be books be, that would be sold because of their status but you know it's also fair that they can find a way to make a living separate. From, I don't know. It, it, it's like my point being, there's always going to be a bit of a nuance here because they have the platform. So they have eyeballs. So they have certain advantages. Mm. But, but I think I sort of, I come back to, um, I come back to, it's probably not a bad thing that they want to be self-sustaining and make, and, and like do these things. I know that they get those deals because of who they are. Mm. However, you know, it's probably not, in, in that sense, I think they're... It's nuanced. I think in that sense, they're kind of the main victims of the monarchy. <laughs> like, in my, in my... When I'm trying to be both cynical and sympathetic, the main thing I think, and this is what struck me about the Megan interview as well, is, all right, so they're taking away your, like, passport and your keys, and you're stuck all day, and you can't... You're sort of almost <laughs> in this weird cult-like environment. Um, but you're condemned to doing nothing. You have to kind of do nothing, or do nothing of a... Do something of a bland kind. So in that sense, I don't hold it against them at all that now they're making their own money and sort of, you can call it cashing in, but that's, 
Uh, I think that's more honest in a way. They're just being celebrities like celebrities are, whereas the other royals are celebrities that we, you know, that we pay for and and sort of worship. (laughs) I like that they're just celebrities. The key key detail in in that, in, in, in that they are victims, is also that, like, Meghan went with it. Like, she wasn't, like... She wasn't, you know, she she knew that these are the things that are going to happen. She was like, sure, this is because I, I love this man. I know what saying yes to his proposal means. I know what this is. I know what I'm marrying into. She's like, she's a very intelligent woman. It was then the the viciousness of the press and combined with the, the lack of support from the monarchy, not necessarily the royal family individually, but the the royal family, the institution of the monarchy as a whole, um, that is ultimately what led to them being like, this isn't worth it for the safety of my family. And you know, Harry's been there before; like he's seen it happen. Um, I, th- I think I think I think it's important not to lose the fact that like, it's not like they were the, these poor poor people who you know just thrown into this this horrible thing they were like there's there's a way to make this work in a positive way and then a a multitude of circumstances forced their hand the only bit in the interview where i thought maybe she didn't know what she was getting into was when she brought up this she said something like and i was surprised because of the racial stuff because so many so much of the commonwealth is people of color and, and my instinctive yeah. reaction was, do you not know what the Commonwealth is, though? <laughs> it's not Big Happy Diversity Club. <laughs> it's post-slavery diversity club. <laughs> it's sort of <laughs> painful. Yeah, I don't know. It just felt like she hadn't quite clocked how, I don't know, steeped in history in, in a bad way it could be. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's it was, it was also tricky because, you know, Again, it's even even with the security conversation was also sort of a thing of, you know, you sort of go, yes, of course, the family needs to needs to needs to be safe. Like, you know, and I understand that they could have a target on the back because they're royals and all those and all those things. But but sort of that 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 was sort of an area where. Yeah, again, I can sort of imagine. I can imagine if I'm if I if I'm someone struggling to like to 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 pay the rent, etc. Watching that, you're going like, oh wait, I have to sympathize with that. Like, oh, they won't pay for my security because of my <laughs> like. I right. get. Yeah. I I get why uh, people could have like an instinctual uh, negative reaction to that, but 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 I I agree that that situation is. There is, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of interesting nuance that goes very specifically. And maybe that's part of the reason all three of us watched it, right? You know, with, with our different leanings and all those things. But, but the, the fact that um, th- there is an interesting intersection of lots of different things going on in that interview. <laughs> Truthfully, truly, yeah. And I was shocked by how far, it, um, how important it is to the rest of the world, because we've been talking about it as British identity, and it, you know, it obviously is, it's kind of nation-building or interesting that the whole country was kind of so focused on this, but it's on the front page of the Belgian news, it's on the front page of the Greek news. I think yep. it's s- stunningly huge, like people eat, eat this stuff up it's um every, everywhere in the world people are reading about it i think britain has like a, a kind of absurdly proportionate to its size and how important it is has like still in a way too much cultural capital in that it, the whole world likes mm. to indulge a little bit in let's now take some time to listen to these quirky posh people <laughs> and there will be our british characters right. 
Um, and we really enjoy that. It's like watching Harry Potter. Yeah. I was going to say, we are excellent exporters of culture. Yes. And, and, and when you think about how one of America's biggest sort of footprints in the world uh, and how they've kind of indoctrinated a lot of, <laughs> like, is the cynical way to call it, a lot of people to kind of buy into American-ness, America, like, you know, Americana. is... is is films, right? It's, it's, it's movies, it's, it's entertainment. It's, it's sort of, it, they, they sell their story very well. And I think so does Britain and, Britain, and we do that through the monarchy, Harry Potter, James Bond. Like sort of, it's like we, there's a lot of sort of aspects of that sort of Britishness that are exported and packaged mm. in a way that is so remarkably effective mm. because I agree with Toby with what Toby's saying. It's it's everywhere, and considering how uh, you know, and and obviously I'm sure a lot of this ties to the various you know, like you know, at some point the British Empire, like the sun never set, right? So so of course there's 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 a lot of influence just based on the history, but but there's just something interesting about how even today in those like subtle cultural ways i don't know we're we're very good marketers yeah <laughs> there's a lot to be said for the idea that other countries of a similar size have like a disproportionately low cultural influence so an example that I've, that's often been cited to me is like germany has not managed in a way similar to britain to make the first things that you think about when you think about germany nice quirky things so you know, if if mm -hmm. if if I go to China tomorrow, I'm more likely to find somebody who go. Oh, Harry Potter. That's what I think of when I think of Britain. Germany does not have a, a happy equivalent. I think <laughs> uh, that mm. that reaches that mm -hmm. far. Very true. Sausages and beer. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna go to the to the obvious bad place. I think. <laughs> <laughs> the um, film that I made. Um... <laughs> It's true, but I think this, this, this is this is all part of the like. I think the, the succinct and round and, and round way of of talking about it is that, and and, and it's almost like this podcast has done. It's 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 woven itself into a full circle narrative because it does come back to the notion of the identity that we have and that we project because um, we're very much still like. Um, really trying to figure out what that is like. Britain no longer in the EU. Britain isolating itself in many ways this tiny island you know that scotland, spawned a lot, of, a, a lot of change with you were i was gonna say scotland and northern ireland as well just questions of how much how long will we be able to oh, say exactly and, and even wales like there's there's this there are so, some pushes for independence within wales and like what what does britain look like and and it's very it's a very real possibility that united kingdom as we know it today doesn't exist in the next five ten years um that's a very very real present i i think it would be a, a mistake but you know that's because i'm i'm english and idealistic versus scottish you feel like that like i mean i i i'm frustrated that i think labor needs to have a northern leader like as a not from the north of england or, or even a scottish leader that's not gordon brown you know he never really got the <laughs> opportunity to get go into his stride but like um <laughs> Yeah, think... we need a John Snow. Oh, I'd love it. We need we need a king of the north, and we have one in Andy Burnham. Manchester loves him. He's just been re-elected as mayor with a massive uh, a massive increase in in turnout and vote share. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just fascinating what what the what the 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 meaning of Britain is, 
And I do, I, I almost feel like we need some form of stability through all of this. And the Queen is that. When the Queen is no longer here, I think it may well be anyone's game. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I suppose an interesting, maybe sort of to, to round things out, because you're right, we, I think we've, we, we, I, and we, I think we've successfully talked about a whole bunch of different angles on it, <laughs> which, which, no, but which makes me very happy because to- Toby and I were like, oh, we're going to have time to get into all these things. And we genuinely did very organically through the flow of the conversation. But, but, um, yeah, I, I do, I suppose an interesting, um, sort of note to end on would be indeed the sort of yeah what what do even even though i know you just kind of said it which is it's kind of anybody's game mm. but after after we lose the queen mm. <laughs> what what do we think what do we think might happen what do we think should happen like uh, could could kind of be an interesting if anyone has any thoughts on that we well like, i mean around. i mean like what should happen is that charles becomes king and then when Charles is not king, William becomes king. That's what should happen because that is what the monarchy does. That is what the order of succession is. Um, if you say, we'll not have Charles be king, first of all, what a crisis that will give Charles, who has spent his entire 70-year <laughs> life being told you're going to be king and then he's not king. But also, um, at that point, surely it's a... a it's not a it's not a monarchy anymore. If you if you're picking and choosing who is yeah. going to be the leader, you know, it's not a monarchy. So like maybe we should vote anyone on. who suggests that it shouldn't be Charles is is asking a very real constitutional crisis question. My eye is on the Platinum Jubilee next year. I didn't get to go to the Diamond one, but I will absolutely I will I will go. I will I will I will be nosy. I will see what happens. If I feel like it's a little bit not my crowd, I'll leave um, and I'll watch it on telly. Um, <laughs> beyond beyond the Queen, I kind of don't know. I, Hilary Mantel, a, a very uh, well respected author, um, has said recently in an interview that she doesn't see the monarchy outlasting William, um, and I and I don't know that she's wrong. To be clear, my question wasn't necessarily should we stop Charles, and, like it was more. <laughs> Like, like the three of us, speaking of the thing that's going to get us all treason, yeah, the true. three of us on a podcast. Okay, how are we going to stop Charles is actually what this podcast was about. We just needed to do two hours of talking about Britishness before we could, before we could get into treachery. Um...